Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world celebrates the Feast of the Dedication of the Lateran Basilica. Now, what we celebrate is Holy Mother Church of all of Catholicism. St. Lateran Basilica is the cathedral of our Pope. Now, most people think St. Peter's Basilica is. Well, it's not. It's the Lateran Basilica. Now, it dates back from centuries on end. The foundation of it was very interesting. It dates back to the Emperor Constantine in the 4th century. His wife actually owned the property and the palace on the Lateran Hill, where the basilica was actually constructed. After Constantine's conversion to Christianity, he gave the palace to the Pope as a gift. Well, the Pope decided to live there, but at the same time, he needed a church to pray in and to offer the Mass. And so he tore down the palace and built the Lateran Basilica. Now, it's called the Lateran Basilica because it's built on a hill in Rome that was referred to as the Lateran Hill. So it's only natural that they refer to it as the Lateran Basilica. And so it became the Cathedral of the Pope. It was where the Pope resided and where he celebrated all of his liturgies. And even to this day, it continues to be the Cathedral of the Pope. And so we celebrate just that. Now, we don't celebrate a building on a hill in Rome. Instead, what we celebrate is Holy Mother Church, the universality of our church, what we essentially profess every time we gather for Mass. We believe in one holy and apostolic church. Now, all three of the scripture readings are very appropriate for the celebration. They all speak about the importance of the temple for the Jews in Jerusalem. And it's synonymous as the Holy Mother Church is important to us as Catholics. Now, the temple for the Jews was the religious, the political, and the economic epicenter for the entire country. The temple was where the nation was ordered and governed itself. The Jews received their identity from the temple. Well, the same thing holds true for us as Catholics. The church is the central organizing figure of our life. Because within the church, we receive our faith. We receive faith formation. We come to know who our faith is. And we recognize the presence of Christ in the church. For the Jews, it's the same way. In the temple, they believed that the presence of God was founded in the temple. That's why in the gospel, you see Jesus. He goes to the temple at Passover time. Well, this was an annual thing. If you are a good Jew... You always made a pilgrimage every year around Passover to the temple to pray and to worship there. Now realize the temple contained the Ark of the Covenant, and that's where the Jews believed the presence of God was. 
So the temple was the most sacred and holiest place in the entire nation. Well, so too with us. We believe within the church, we see the clearest presence of God. In the sacraments, the Eucharist, the scripture readings, our doctrine and our dogma. And so the temple is synonymous with us as Catholics in the church. Now, going in the gospel, we hear that classic story of Jesus cleansing the temple. Now, appreciate this scene for what it is. It would be likened to if we were in St. Peter's Basilica and all of a sudden a madman came running around and chasing everybody out. Well, we would be startled, right? Shocked. We would consider this person insane. Our first inclination, we'll call the police or the military. We would beg, you know, what is this guy doing? Well, that's what the Jews were thinking of when Jesus cleansed the temple. Now, Jesus is attacking the central symbol of the Jewish faith, the temple itself. And after this event, Jesus Christ, you could say, has now sealed his fate. Now the Jews have enough evidence on him to not only try him, convict him, and also execute him. So it begs the question, why? Why is Jesus so angry? It seems so out of character with the way he is. Here is a man that was always passive, a man that always preached love one another and God, and now he makes a whipping cord and begins to chase people out of the temple. Well, it's because of what the Jews did. The Jews turned a place that was meant for the express purpose of worshiping God into a marketplace. Essentially, they took money and profits, and now that has eclipsed the worship of God. That's the first thing that makes Jesus angry. But what makes matters even worse is where they do this in the temple. See, essentially, this marketplace is constructed in what they call the court of the Gentiles. Now, this is a very specific and special and unique court within the side, the court of the temple. It was unique and specifically named the court of the Gentiles because it welcomed all non-Jews to come and worship Yahweh, to worship God. And see, this is exactly what God wanted for all people in the world to stream towards God so that God could gather all people in this world, whether Jew or Gentile, to himself. Well, this court of the Gentiles allowed non-Jews to do just that. And see, this is what enraged Jesus. This directly offended and prohibited God's mission. See, this is why God sent prophet after prophet after prophet. That's why he sent his only son with the exact same mission to gather, gather all people to God. A great example to prove this is Isaiah chapter 56, verses 3 through 8. God says, Let no foreigner who has joined himself his life to me as Lord shall never be separated from me. Well, this is exactly what God wanted for all people, whether Jew or Gentile, to be gathered up to God. So the first lesson that we can take from this feast of the dedication of St. Lateran Basilica, God has given us the church, just like he gave the Jews the temple. He has given us, Catholics, the church, for the express purpose of coming together, being gathered together to worship God. 
Again, this is why the prophets and Jesus were sent for the express purpose of gathering people, gathering people back to God to offer proper praise and worship. In doing so, God renews and he refreshes our faith and our lives. And it is our universal church, the primary mission of it to be used as an instrument of God's grace in this world, to gather all people back to God. And from the church flows God's grace to heal and strengthen and direct our faith lives. A great image of this is the first reading from the prophet Ezekiel. He gives us that image of what flows from the church, life itself. He says, the angel brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water flowing out. Wherever the river flows, every sort of living creature that came multiplied and lived. There shall be abundant fish for wherever this water comes, the sea shall be made fresh. Along both banks of the river, fruit trees of every kind shall grow. Their leaves shall not fade and die, nor shall their fruit become rotten. Well, what's going on here? Ezekiel sees this image of water flowing out of the temple, but it's not ordinary water. It's a water that generates life. As he says, it produces abundant animals and fish. It produces bushes and trees that produce fruit that doesn't rot, leaves that never die and fall off. More to it, this water sustains life. Well, that's exactly what our church does. Our church, from it flows God's grace and it touches our heart and our soul, our will and our intellect. We in turn bear fruit. What's that fruit? Well, the virtuous life, a life of stewardship. It's important for us to recognize God's grace keeps flowing, flowing out of the church in different forms, whether it's sacraments, prayer, the mass, the liturgy, whether it's faith formation, music, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, God's grace flows from the church and refreshes and becomes a source of life for us. See, we have to recognize just how important the church is in our life. The church is the mediator of God's grace, shaping and forming all aspects of our life. Therefore, we must remain and stay within the church. A second lesson that we can take from this feast is yes, God gives us the church, but he also gives us a temple, a temple that resides within each and every one of us. And this is what Jesus is getting at in the gospel. When he says, destroy this temple, I will raise it in three days. The very start of our baptism, as Paul says in the second reading, we have been grafted onto Christ. The Holy Spirit rushed inside of us and took up residence there. And subsequently, through additional sacraments, especially the Eucharist, we have been grafted onto God in a stronger and stronger way. See, this is what Paul is alluding to when he says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells within you? See, anyone who knows, who has ever built a house or a barn or a shed, whatever, the key is the foundation. The foundation, if it's well built and strong, can support any structure. Anything built upon that foundation will last for many, many years. Well, at the moment of our baptism, the foundation was built in which our life was joined with the life of Jesus Christ. And that was a foundation that can essentially sustain anything built upon it. 
And what is? Well, the sacraments that we received. That essentially houses now the temple. And within that temple is the true presence of God in our life. And this is what Paul is getting at in the second reading. Again, none of this can happen unless we remain in the church. And I think that's what this feast celebrates. It doesn't celebrate some church on a hill in Rome that we've never heard of. No. Instead, it celebrates Holy Mother Church, our universal church, and what it really does for us. The church is a symbol of life for us. From it, it flows God's grace. And God's grace touches all aspects of our life so that we are refreshed, renewed, and strengthened so that we can continue to live the virtuous life, a life of charity, a life of stewardship, a life in which we participate in all aspects of our faith. We become living disciples of Jesus Christ and that we are truly blessed. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ Rest upon you always.